Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Craig, as we were signing off last week, you and I got into a conversation after the mics were turned off that I thought was really, really important. Uh, was right after our podcast on Was Jesus a Pacifist? And you made a comment, something to the effect of, I think, um, dear people that you know who hold, for example, a pacifist position do so because they're rejecting a party. They're rejecting, in that case, the Republican Party and just saying, I don't want anything to do with those people. It's kind of guilt by association Mm -hmm. and therefore I reject any and all of their policies or their, you know, their position. Say more about that. I think think our worldview, our interpretation, reaction to life, events and circumstances is to be shaped by Christ, our walk with God, Scripture – and we all take shortcuts and and hop on bandwagons. And I've just noticed among younger people, though not exclusively, that um, there's just this visceral reaction to anything that um, can be linked to or identified as Republican. And so a uh, position where gun rights or um, – uh, standing up against dictators and wars and so on and so forth, um, prosecution of criminals, capital punishment, all are just linked to the Republican Party and therefore just uh, viewed as just wrong. They're not even considered. And I, I think there's this danger. We're not promoting a party. We're talking about biblical truths. And Some parties adopt those, some don't in different measures and ways. But I see people just reacting more, not to truth, but to political parties. This is huge. I'll guarantee it was taking place as people were listening to our podcast on pacifism. You know, emotions begin to run high and I just want to go, hang on, hang on. Where are those emotions coming from? Friends, we're kind of pausing for a second to, to ask this question. Where Are your convictions coming from really? Because this whole guilt by association thing is very strong. In fact, I have a confession to make, and I know many of you will be able to relate to this. I don't like telling people who I don't know. First-time acquaintances at a dinner party, you know, meeting someone in a store, that kind of thing, being introduced on the street to a neighbor who's got a friend over. I don't like saying, first impression, I'm a Christian. Uh Uh-huh. And now the reason for that is not that I'm embarrassed of Jesus. I'm not embarrassed of Jesus. I'm embarrassed of Christians, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, yeah. a, there's a kind of guilt by association. I don't, I don't want to lead with that in trying to kind of win relationship with people because I am so afraid of being immediately thrown into, you know, the boat with sure. every obnoxious religious person that they've met or that they think They've met, you know, stereotypes, caricatures, things they've seen on television, you know, what have you. So I understand the guilt by association thing. I get it. I see it shaping me, you know, that I don't want to admit, you know, I'm in a 
circle of men a couple of months ago and we were having dinner together and, and it was not any kind of a – it was a men's gathering but it was not a Christian gathering and and the guys at the table were you know kind of beginning to push into some religious stuff. And at that moment, for someone to ask me, hey, so are you a Christian? Oh, I, I want to say, well, I love Jesus but please don't lump me into what you think Christian means. Anyhow. I get the guilt by association thing, but friends, I sure hope that you're aware of how much it actually motivates your convictions. Um, There was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant set of commercials that were running for several years um, by Apple. The, hi, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials, right? Two guys, you know, on on a white set, you know, one guy's portraying being a Mac computer and the other guy is a PC and the Mac is he's hip and he's laid back and he's, you know, casually dressed and he's tolerant and he's humble and he's authentic and, you know, the PC is uptight, suit and tie, overweight, you know, he's the schlub and he's intolerant and duplicitous and the commercials are absolutely brilliant because whether or not you even care about the differences between a Mac computer and a PC computer. You know, whether you care anything about that world, in those commercials, you want to be the Mac. Yes. I mean, it's done. It's a guilt by association thing. Who wants to be, you know, the pig? Who wants to be the the, the bigot? Who wants to be, you know, the self-righteous, smug, prideful, intolerant, Schlep, right? You don't want to be that guy. So the commercials are absolutely brilliant, but they're absolutely brilliant for our times. And and I I wrote a series of blogs on this called I Motives because in these times to be hip, authentic, casual, tolerant, etc. is in. And therefore, you know, you could do that exact same commercial and you could just throw up, hey, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, at least among young people. Mm -hmm. And they would go, right, I don't want to be the Republican. I don't want to be identified with those people. Mm -hmm. And friends, we just want to say, putting all of that aside, Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is what is framing your convictions. Mm -hmm. We're not advocating a party. Mm -hmm. We're not advocating a candidate. What we're trying to do is push into what has formed your passionately held views of, you know, uh, gun control, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, war, terrorism, um, heaven, hell, the gospel, Jesus Christ, gender, masculinity, femininity, all these issues. You have – most of you have pretty strong convictions about that and it is – only honest to be willing to admit that this this idea of, oh, I just don't want to be associated with those people, mm-hmm. how much that's actually framing a lot of our convictions, yeah. right? And so if you live in an age where, you know, right now ethical eating is in and where your coffee was grown and the size of your carbon footprint and the ethical nature in which your chocolate was made, you know, these issues, which I think are important issues, by the way, but this is what's hip. And so I just want to say, can you at least admit that by holding those positions, you are aware that you're endearing yourself to the hip and the cool, Mm -hmm. you know, and to hold other positions like to speak out against certain forms of perhaps gun control or, or pacifism, let's say, 
puts you at odds mm -hmm. with the very people that you want to think that you're hip and cool, please admit that this shapes you. Mm -hmm. It shapes me. It shapes all of us. And so we almost had to pause and say, gang, this series we're doing, this isn't about a party. This isn't about holding a party line or something. This is about trying to surface our passionately held views and take another look and say, really? Is that how Jesus looks at it? Boy, a couple things coming to my mind. I'd love to bounce off you, John. One is uh, just going back to, the, I think, the beginning of this series. We were just talking about how the the power ideas have. I mean, you can adopt an idea or thought or posture or view and just think it's cool or whatever. But ideas and these commitments we make and how we evaluate and then act upon events, people, and circumstances, I mean, they're – Oftentimes, these shape cultures. These have an effect on lives and future economics. There's just ideas are not simply little toys that you fiddle with without consequence. Sometimes I think there's a naivete there. That's huge. If you have any observation on just how does stage of life pull into this, you know, um, I remember I think it was Churchill's quote. Um, you know, if you're not a liberal when you're a young man, you don't have a heart. If you're not a conservative as an old man, you don't have a head. I just wonder developmentally because it seems like we're all more kind of liberal and wild-eyed, you know, as younger men than we are now. What is that? How does that play into this? Oh, I think this is really crucial because I think that there is a great, great revolutionary surge in the young heart. Mm -hmm. I think young men and women, particularly, you know, high school years and especially as they head off to college, I, I'm hearing the Les Mis soundtrack. Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? You know, that revolutionary surge, I think, is a generational stage. And I think it's a really good one, uh -huh. by the way. You know, and so you have you have, for example, right now, Tom's Shoes and how kind of huge that movement is on college campuses. And, you know, they're very uh, kind of the idea is uh, buy a pair of shoes and they'll give a company, give a pair to, a, you know, a underprivileged uh, person somewhere in the world. So it's very, very hip. It's very revolutionary. It's very in the face of the establishment and, and that kind of thing. And so issues of ethical eating or where you do your shopping or corporate America, that kind of – so you have this revolutionary zeal. I think that's really good. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think – but what happens is that gets hijacked, mm -hmm. I think, and a really great zeal gets hijacked into positions um, that frankly are not very well thought through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Churchill who said a young man who's not a liberal doesn't have a heart. An old man who's not a conservative doesn't have a brain. Hang on, hang on, friends. Don't get upset by that. Just listen. I was on Prager's website last week and he wrote a letter to young voters huh. that would be worth reading. You can find it on his on his website. It's called A Letter to Young Voters. And he simply, again, in his very kind of unemotional, lucid way, he's just saying this. He says, look, in your experience, have you noticed that people tend to get wiser with age? And the answer is, of course they do, right? That the person who doesn't get wiser with age usually dies <laughs> – 
right? You know, you're going to be a chain smoker. You're going to eat, you know, nothing but fast food. You're going to, you know, get uh-huh. yourself into ridiculous debt. You uh-huh. pay for it. Yeah. And so life has a way of teaching us reality. It's called wisdom. And, and yeah, and that's why we go to grandpa to say, hey, grandpa, I'm thinking about marrying this girl. What are your thoughts? You know, the young man goes to the older man. The yes. young woman goes to the older woman to say, oh, my gosh, what do I do with these young kids? They're driving me crazy. Or, you know, I want to pursue a career in law. What do you think, you know, grandma? Of course, you want the wisdom of ages. So, yes, there is there is this, you know, kind of progression, I think. And it has a lot to do with living with the consequences of your actions and beliefs. It really does. Like, yeah, you can hold to that you know, young idealist, but then you let that play out and you just take, for example, oh my goodness, there was, I wish I could remember that. It was either in the Washington Post or with the Wall Street Journal. There was an article, do you recall this about, it was um, from women to women and they were talking about, I think it was a Harvard symposium where they were saying, you know what, as young idealist yes. women in the 60s and 70s, we embraced the the free sex ethic, you know, mm-hmm. the let's drop sexual mores and and uh, let women, you know, make free choices sexually. And, mm-hmm. and now that we've lived with 40 years of that, what the older women were now saying was we're actually the ones who paid. Mm-hmm. W- women were hurt by that more than anyone else. And so here you have the, you know, kind of the revolutionaries of the 60s, 70s college movement, you know, and free open sexuality, you know, let's drop all sexual mores. Now, 40 years later saying that was a really big mistake. We actually got hurt by that more than anyone else. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something about living with the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And Friends, just because a position is held by a party, don't let that be a reason to hold it or reject it. Yes. It was a different subject, John, but uh, who was it? You've quoted several times and I really buy into it. It says, don't let your theology be a reaction. Yeah, Schaefer. Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah, Just don't let your worldview, your mind, your thinking, your positions be a reaction. They have to be based on something more than just – an emotional, yes. or visceral kind of reaction. Yes. Let me come back to the whole guilt by association thing um, because it's it's just huge, gang. There, some of you know that I am a bow hunter and I I hunt big game with my sons. Uh, Morgan is also, and I know that for some people that's immediately abhorrent, and other people um, find no problem with it. I think that. You know, wild game is a far healthier meat to eat than the kind of thing that's raised in the commercial slaughterhouses. I think it's a more ethical way of getting your food and I think there's all kinds of reasons for holding the position that I do. However, I would never go to most of the hunting conventions. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the majority of people there I don't want to be associated with because there's a culture, there's a posture, there's an attitude to some hunters that I find utterly repulsive. And unfortunately, they tend to be the caricature that the culture holds about hunting. And so when I'm in San Francisco, Boston, uh, Berkeley, when you know, when <sighs> I'm in hip urban areas, New York, uh-huh. you know, do I want to admit to people that I'm a hunter? Of course not, because the immediate associations are, you know, oh, you're one of those heartless, ruthless, reckless abusers of the natural world, which I'm not, gang. You got to deal with this. Just because 
a position is held by a certain party, whether that be the libertarians or the Democrats or the Republicans or the communists or what have you, just because it's held by a certain party doesn't make it right mm-hmm. or wrong. Mm-hmm. And and just because your cultural context finds a certain position to be absolutely just unthinkable is frankly no reason whatsoever to reject that position. I just kind of want to come back to what's forming your convictions and your politics, frankly, as we head into an election fall. Of course these things matter. Of course they matter, right? But let's not go to I'm a Mac, I'm a PC and, and operate based on hip, cool, trendy, now, wow positions, which frankly, Scripture does not support. That was good. John and I both hope that you're enjoying this series and you're finding it stimulating and that you find yourself just drawn to God, just asking him, Lord, what are you saying to me through these questions, through this conversation, through the issues raised, through the emotions I'm feeling? We'd love for you to access all of our resources, and you can do that by going to ransomedheart.com. And so for John Eldridge, this is Craig McConnell thanking you for continuing with us in this series, and we hope you'll listen in next week.